You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey everybody out there in internet land, it's Brian House here for Housework and today we are in the studio with uh, someone who has been uh, uh, a part of my life for quite some time now. He's also uh, been beaten up by Terry Crews, he's been shot, he's been pushed down flights of stairs, he's been stabbed and killed numerous times. You've probably witnessed his murder in uh, hundreds of times on many, many TV shows. His name is Todd Jones, and he's a professional stuntman and also a professional strongman, and we are going to get to learn all about what he does for his work right here on the Housework Work For It podcast. Here we go. Mr. Todd Jones, how you doing? Great, man. How are you? Ah, it's another beautiful day down here in sunny Florida. I'll bet it is, you jerk. No, it's actually really nice here, too, but I like Florida, so I yeah. wish I was there. Yeah, no, it's nice here, but it's hot. You know, this time of year is just ridiculous down here, so I'm I'm over it, actually. I love living in Florida, <laughs> but I, I, could, I could definitely move somewhere else at some point in my life, so. I hear you. It's like I keep, I keep going back and forth because I love Florida so much, but... I also love, like, fall in Pennsylvania is, like, one of my favorite seasons. And that's where you live, right? In Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yeah. And so, just so the audience knows, uh, tell them how we're related. We are brother-in-laws. We are, Brian and I are married to sisters. The Avenue sisters. Yep. Yes, the, uh, the, the, the lovely Avenue sisters. We were lucky enough to marry into that family. So um, I met Todd. Gosh, I don't even know when the first time I met you. It must have been when I flew up for some sort of Christmas event or Easter or something. I don't know. And then um, before I married Sarah. And then uh, Todd and I have a, a, a very good relationship because we share one commonality, uh, and that's our love of film. And we're both film like nerds, but we're also more like film snobs. We we share a lot of the same kind of like. Uh, I won't even sit through a lot of films, and neither will he. Um, and it's because it's just like a waste of our time or whatever. And uh, so we we when we discuss film, and he tells me like, "Hey, you need to watch this," then I know I hundred percent know 
that it's going to be something that I'm going to enjoy. And that's what I actually love about uh, hanging out with Todd and learning about his work and what he does and and all of that. So, Todd, tell me, uh, in in the maker world, you're uh, you're you work with your hands a lot. Actually, probably a lot of people don't know this about you, but you you actually uh, are remodeling your house right now. So you're doing a lot of the woodwork and building bookcases and painting and building things in your house. What do you have going on right now uh, that you're working on? Oh man, I am refinishing the mud room and the first floor bathroom and it has turned into a a a nightmare that's the room that you walk into right in the back of your house right yeah and and then the the bathroom is like right there as well right yep and it's the bathroom that everybody uses so everybody will see it and you know because it's right off the living room of course, yeah. Yes. So you want it, you want it. Everything's got to be perfect. Everything, everything's got to be perfect anyway. But you know, people are actually going to see this, so it matters. What year was that house built? Uh, I don't know the exact year. I think it was the fifties. Yeah, it seems like a fifties, like Tudor or something. It's like a, or is it like a split level? What do they? What would they call that? No, nah, it's not a split level. I'm, I'm not even sure. Is it a colonial? Could be a colonial. Yeah. It does look like a colonial a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool house. It's got a lot of really neat uh, uh, sort of twists and turns. And then you you and uh, Jen, Jenny took the um, the wall out, right? And the, you, your kitchen used to be really, really small. And then you demoed that wall and opened it up into the dining room. Yeah, we did. I would have forgotten about that if you hadn't brought it up. Because <laughs> the first time I've been in that house, it, that kitchen was tight. And so oh, was for the real? You were here? When it was yeah, like yeah. that? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I visited uh, right after you guys bought the place. I don't, I don't know. No, I never even saw your other house, I don't think. So. No, nah, no, nah, you didn't. We yeah. weren't there that long. Yeah. but uh, the, And not only that, the, the yard is just unbelievably cool. Yeah, the yard is awesome. I, I, uh, I don't take it for granted at all every time I'm out there. I'm like, wow, especially now and everything's all green and warm and butterflies everywhere and yeah it's really cool so for uh the listeners i have a a giant koi pond with uh a whole bunch of award-winning humongous koi that came with the house the guy uh the previous owner was a big core koi aficionado and all these giant award when he had some of them flown in apparently i don't know uh which ones but they yeah, people are get way into it yeah yeah he didn't he didn't mess around and just i'm familiar with the names but you used uh you named these fish and you have a theme for the for the fish tell us about that uh most of them are uh japanese or asian names you know what jenny my wife jenny would be uh, the one she knows exactly who's who i can recognize most of them but uh there's like hattori hanzo yeah yeah hattori hanzo we actually lost one of them i don't know what happened to it but it's gone yeah and, and it's funny because you guys can tell when you lose one. There, there's so many. And when I look in the pond, I'm like, I don't know. I, there's a lot in there. So, But what she knew right away. Yeah. Uh, so the names, the biggest one that you can definitely tell um, is named Buddha. Uh-huh. And uh, 
by far is like twice as big and girthy as the other one so there's no mistaking buddha apparently that is probably a female which i did not know oh interesting yeah apparently the bigger bigger heftier ones are uh are females could be wrong but from what i've read and they survive the winter right you guys don't have to take them out of that pond we barely have to do anything to the pond at all so it feeds it uh it um there's like a river or a creek or something yeah a creek that uh it's a well-known creek in the neighborhood that actually uh empties out ultimately into the delaware river and so uh all the the inflow of the water and the outflow of the water is all from that it's all set up like that so yeah um, what i find interesting about pennsylvania because i grew up in illinois and we don't have that kind of history but like you know you can go to the spot where washington crossed the delaware and it's like labeled and is that crazy or what crazy It, it it just seems to me like it just seems like when because history i have a hard time wrapping my mind around time frames sometimes mm-hmm. and and i feel like that to me it just seems like another part of the of the world yet i'm standing or or, or maybe it doesn't seem real at all mm-hmm. and then i'm like standing there and i'm i'm witnessing basically what or looking at where it actually happened and you know the famous painting and everything yep i feel like uh it's a uh it's a really cool thing to be able to be a part of that and and see it so and uh just so everybody is aware mr trent hill just joined in on the podcast he was running a little bit late trent where are you and what are you doing right now hey brian i am so sorry for that <laughs> that's uh, okay don't worry about it what are you doing well there's a, a tree in my neighbor's backyard that's been dead for it's a standing dead tree and it's been there for several years and he only comes to, to visit the property like once or twice a year so he showed up today and i needed to go talk to him about getting that tree cut down because i don't want it coming down on my garage ah okay and unfortunately so. i was not paying attention to the time so i apologize hey, not a big deal we're we're in the studio with my brother-in-law, Mr. Todd Jones. I've heard I've heard a little bit about you, sir. I can't wait to hear some more. <laughs> How you doing, Trent? Good. How are you? Good. Good to meet you. We were just talking about his uh, property. He's got a beautiful piece of property in um, Pennsylvania, and they've got a koi pond and and a whole a whole like really cool back back way back yard where it's a more like woods and uh, I'm jealous neat spot. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, I have it's like very nice. I'm very lucky. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool spot, man, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. And so getting to uh, basically want to kind of overall just go over uh, your career as a, as a human being, working being. Uh, tell me a little bit about your origin story, how you got into show business, and ultimately how you ended up doing professional stunt work. Oh, man. My origin story. That's that's a that's a comic booky thing to say, man. You said you said I you just watched the, the Joker. Books. You were in that, so I'm like <laughs> oh, I'm all like uh, I'm in the comic book zone. Um, let's see. I'll try not to drone on. I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where I live now, but uh, in a different part. Um, when I was in high school, 
decided that I wanted to be an actor. So uh, did that for a long time. I uh, was a struggling actor for a long time. Um, there was a point where I, I had a martial arts background too. So while I was a struggling actor, I was also uh, training to in uh, martial arts. I got into MMA in the early days of MMA, like around late 90s to uh, early 2000s. And uh, thought... Uh, for a little while, thought I wanted to be a professional fighter, and then got some, got in an actual MMA fight, and realized that uh, I did not want to do that. <laughs> I survived and was unhurt, and uh, the fire for that just kind of went out. But still, so yeah, I had a, a uh, martial arts background, and uh, at some point, I started reading about stunt work and, you know, got started reading biographies and autobiographies about uh, from um, written by stuntmen and about stuntmen. And uh, eventually it just kind of started. I, I realized that I needed something. I was a struggling actor. And if you're going to be a struggling actor, you really have to have something that makes you stand out. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're, you're kidding yourself, basically. And uh, I had that martial arts background, so I knew I had a pretty good pain tolerance. And I started reading these books about other stuntmen and slowly started creeping into my mind like, hey, maybe I could, maybe I could be a stuntman. Like, that, that, would, that would be pretty cool. Um, I have a story about the one book that was the most significant as far as that goes, if you would like to hear it, would you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. So the there was one book above all others that really made me start thinking about being a stuntman. And uh, it's, called, it's called The Strongman by a guy named Joe Bonomo, who was a pioneer stuntman in the early days of cinema he doubled for Lon Chaney in the hunchback of Notre Dame and he was also a uh, um, I guess you would call an action star you know and they had the old cliffhangers back in the day um, he was actually really famous as as a serial star in uh, Universal back in the 1920s um, he was one of those guys that fell victim to the coming of the sound era in cinema because he had a he was from New York had a real thick accent so uh, as soon as sound came along he he went the way of the dodo <laughs> and and it was because of his his accent yeah yeah they didn't he, want him to have like a New York accent yeah Is that what it was yeah exactly yeah is, I mean is that still thick. happening now like in in I mean I guess there's certain characters that should have new york accents obviously but is it better to have more of a midwestern accent or no accent at all i guess i don't know what there is if there is a such a thing well i think it, back then sorry not to interject but i think okay. back then they did a lot of that what did they call it the atlantic accent or the mid mid-atlantic accent yeah like that was pretty prominent back then well this this was actually before all that so basically he was he was uh reading for some kind of 
heavy part. I don't know if it was actual Shakespeare or something like that. Something where you couldn't talk like you were from Brooklyn. I you know? see. So okay. It, it was like a, yeah, like a Caesar or something, something really heavy like that. So that was I the gotcha. thing. So to answer your question, it would be better if you can do, doesn't matter what accent you actually have as long as you can do whatever accent is required of you. I see. Um, so anyway, this book... It's a whole long freaking story. I'm trying not to drone on too long about it. No, but anyway, we've got time. Tell us the story. Okay. I'm interested in this. This is good stuff. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> you see, you mentioned everybody that I'm a strong man as well, right? Yes, yeah, right. So that was actually why I got his book because it turns out that uh, he was one of the golden age strongmen of the early 1900s so and for for those who don't know can you just describe what a strongman is because i'm not i'm not sure entirely that everyone knows what this is that's probably a good point so and uh so i always my, think, huh i always think of sandow yeah well good <laughs> that's awesome most people have no idea who sandow was so that's i have no idea who sandow is. that's a good start man <laughs> bravo good on you for knowing that um you you know the mr olympia competitions brian yes the statue you get when you win mr olympia is a statue of eugene sandow he was basically he was a strong man the feats of strength he could do were unbelievable but he was also most notable for being the for the first sort of uh bodybuilder and to use his physique in a for its uh aesthetics i see okay that makes sense i get you now okay yeah. So, uh, oh man, now I'm lost. Where was I? Oh yeah. So strongman, my version, what I do as a strongman is, uh, different from say the world's strongest man competitions on ESPN. That's a sport. That's, that's called modern sport strongman. What I do is strongman in the traditional sense, uh, of doing stuff like guys like Sandow used to do bending steel uh tearing phone books when I can get a hold of one um things of that nature breaking chains basically uh things that uh a normal sized guy like me 5'11 about 200 pounds should not be able to do and uh that's what I do I think one of the coolest stunts I've ever seen you do is break a chain with your chest. <laughs> Thank you. And that is, and and for like for those of you who are trying to visualize this, think of like what Superman does, like when he's got um, chains around him and he he sort of puffs his chest up and busts the tra- you know breaks the chains open. I've seen Todd do that, except Todd, I don't think your the chains are around your arms, right? It's actually around just your chest. Yeah, yeah, it's wrapped around your rib cage. So if you can imagine trying to break chain doing that, and we're not talking like little tiny chains that you would like say hang a light from the ceiling with. We're talking about like a legit chain, right? Yeah, yeah. And I've seen you bend horseshoes into hearts. Well, and by the way, now that we're bringing this up, by the way, not to segue into this, but you just broke a Guinness World Book record, right? Um, I didn't break it. I said it. You set it even yeah. better. Yeah, it was a it was a pre existing category that nobody had claimed. Well, now yeah. you got to share. All right, I'm going to share. 
but just quickly because I'm trying to keep this on the download because I can beat this record, which means somebody else can beat it. And if word gets out, I don't want anybody getting any bright uh, ideas. I got you. <laughs> so should we edit this out of the podcast, this part of it? or, or is it- uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay. So, yeah, All but right. the record is uh, uh, I hearted three horseshoes within a minute hearted is when you take a horseshoe and you actually twist it into the shape of a heart and uh it's mind-blowing that you can do that let alone do three at uh at a time or not at a time but in a sequence Uh, i don't know if you've ever tried to hold a a horseshoe in your hand and just try to bend it at all (laughs) but i did because i have one of these in my studio that uh, todd gave me uh, years ago uh, and i keep it on display and um, i'm like you know what i could probably move this thing you know so i get it in my hands and i got it like you know i wrap leather around it because i got leather in my shop you know i'm just like okay i've seen him do this you know and I'm not kidding you. I cannot get that thing to move a millimeter. I, I mean, not. I'm sure you could show me maybe, and I might have a chance to move it a little bit. But, dude, it is unreal the stuff that you know how to do. That and <laughs> bending those nails and stuff. I just, it's unbelievable to me that that's even possible uh, with just your hands. Thank you. But my, if there's one message I want to get get out about doing all that stuff it's that everybody can whenever i do that stuff it's not it's not look what i can do it's look what everybody can do i just trained for it you, you just know? know how to do it yeah exactly yeah. yeah i understand i don't think i could pop a water bottle or the the what what is it that uh, yeah. warm hot water bottle hot thing. water bottle yeah I don't think I could do that. There's no way I pass out. That's the toughest one I do. And people ask me what's the hardest one. That's it. That's it. And I've witnessed that a couple of times. That's pretty amazing stuff. Can you tear a phone <laughs> book in two? Yeah. That, yeah, sure can. I, I learned the trick to that. I mean, it requires strength, but there is definitely a proper way to do it. There's a there's a trick and there's a real way. Yeah. If you go on my uh, TikTok account, I actually have several videos addressing that very thing. See, I learned from a guy named Chris Ryder, mm-hmm. who is who is one of the best guys in the world at that stuff. He can go through phone books like, you know, like butter, and. Uh, He's a real, legit strongman, performing strongman, and the code of the performing strongman is that you don't fake anything, and if you do fake, you get called out on it, and you look really silly. So, uh, when I came up, it was very, very important that you don't fake anything. So, yes, there's... There's a trick. Usually people are going to use the popping technique. Are you talking about where you smush the middle down into the V? Yeah. Yeah, that's the trick. That's not the real way. So anybody can do that, and I can show it to you and show you the popping technique, and anybody who's anybody would be able to do it in two seconds. Well, you know what? I have a trick in doing it myself. I do it one page at a time. It <laughs> works really well, well. That V trick, that's basically what it is, but it's that, lots of pages in rapid succession. Yep, that's exactly what it is. So the V trick separates the pages, so that, that is exactly what you're doing. You're ripping it one at a time. Yep. 
So if you want um, to find, if we want to find you on Instagram, your Instagram is Todd Ryan Jones. Yep. At your Todd handle. Ryan Jones. And what about TikTok? Uh, same thing. Todd Ryan Jones. Yep. And Chris Ryder, who I've sort of become friends with on uh, uh, social media, he's an awesome guy, uh, super friendly dude, and and always willing to chat it up. Uh, he's under uh, the handle Hercules because he uh, does some really cool stuff with his hair, and he was on Discovery Channel, I think, right, or History Channel. I oh yeah, he's which. he's been on a lot of stuff. He uh, could have been Discovery, probably both. I would imagine yeah. he's he's been on uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not several times. Yeah, and he pulls stuff with his hair, which is. Unbelievable! He pulls trucks with his hair, like trucks, yeah. full-on trucks with his hair, breaks yeah. chains with it. Whew. He was on Mythbusters, too, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know if he was on Mythbuster, Mythbusters. Yeah. He's, he's, been on, he's been on some stuff. Yeah, so he's Todd, a cool not, guy, too. Not, not trying to interrupt or, like, make myself out to be, like, something I'm not. But it's interesting because you and I have actually – just from your last little bit, we have a lot of overlapping interests uh, cool. because I've I've been involved in judo and jujitsu since oh ninety eight ninety nine, awesome. Um, and we actually have a pretty decent group up here. Uh, I I don't roll with them as much as I should. I need to get back. I need to get back to being better at uh, like actively working out. I just started uh doing more like workouts with my wife because she was she was interested in to in getting into weightlifting so i'm trying to show her proper form and technique so that less risk of injury and yeah whatnot but yeah awesome yeah i wish i was uh i don't train judo and jujitsu as much anymore because i have a herniated disc in Ugh. my neck so basically every time I try to roll, I'm like playing a game of chicken with it, you know, yeah. just like going as long as I can until I feel like I'm crippled and then I have to stop and it's a vicious cycle, vicious circle. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know you were into the martial arts there, Trent. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, for me, it's, it, it's not one of those things like where it's like, yeah, I got a black belt or whatever. Like I, I just enjoy the activity and I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm I'm a guy who's constantly in his head and martial yeah. arts is one of the I've noticed. Yeah. Martial arts is one of the ways that I can um, get out of my head for a bit and just be a human, you know, instead of a a flesh computer. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm the same way, though. I'm all in my head all the time. And that's like when everybody, when someone's like my kids come up to me and talk to me, I always have to have them repeat their first statement and they, <laughs> it, because I have no idea what they were saying. Like, if you just walk up to me and start talking, I will not under, or I have to always ask you to repeat it. A lot of people think I'm deaf, which I might be slightly hard of hearing, but I, I, I am um, just, I'm in thought all the time. Yeah. And that's just yeah. kind of how I am. 
and I'm, I'm working through things in my mind and I visualize things in my head and uh, I, I can appreciate exercise for for that where it takes you away from that kind of thing but that's one of my biggest beefs with exercise is that it doesn't stimulate the mind well um, in a way some of it does in a way mind. it does because it, sometimes by clearing away the the useless thoughts you actually can crystallize on more of the like the the bigger ideas that you were chewing over. Absolutely. Yeah. I need and, to do more of that then. And also that, that dude, that's exactly why I do all the weird stuff that I do. You, there's a million things you can work on. Um, if, if, you know, doing a bench press bores you, mm-hmm. you, you can work on something like a skill of some sort or something that actually interests you so that when you do it, it's fun. And, you know, you're working towards trying to be able to do something that you couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. That's 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 how it's mentally stimulating for me. Well, it's, that's I, like, I, I don't know how into weightlifting you are. I used to be really into it. Not, not so much bodybuilding, but like uh, I was big into CrossFit before it became kind of the cult that it is today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because it was so novel. But what I really liked about it is... I'm a big proponent of what they call functional strength. Like I aesthetics are nice, but what I want to do is, you know, if I need to perform a task, I don't want it to injure me and I, I don't want to struggle with it. I want to just, you know, like, I, you know, Brian and I on the last podcast, we were talking about when I was a kid, I used to do a lot of, uh, we'd cut and stack wood mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Todd knows all about that. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> this bit. I was this little skinny kid, but I could I could lift stumps that like a lot of grown men would struggle with and it just wasn't it wasn't that you know it wasn't heavy, it was just that my body was more, you know, I, I learned the proper mechanics early and so mm-hmm. you know I could build the strength along with the coordination and uh, you know I could instead of stressing my joints, my joints grew stronger because I was doing it you know, in a graduated function so that it improved everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I'm the, I'm the exact same way. Like, what good What good is having 24-inch pythons if you can't do stuff like that? If yeah. you can't chop that wood and pick up that stump and, you know what I mean? Yep. Be, be, do, do things in your everyday real life. What's the but point? But you sure do look cool. You know, you're walking <laughs> around and, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that are all about the aesthetics, but they're not functional. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. very top heavy usually as well. You can yeah. just like push them over. Well, don't I, get me wrong. I would love to have 24 inch pythons if, if it was just like a thing that I could have. That'd be awesome. Right. I'd go to that gun show. Yeah. <laughs> but like at, sure. at 41, I mean, I'm not trying to speak for anybody here, but like the only thing I really miss uh, about my younger physical self is, uh, I, you know, I miss my six pack, mm-hmm. and part of that is is uh, you know it is aesthetics, but the other part is, man, you you start packing on a few pounds and you you start to feel it the way your body carries it. Yeah, and the other part is like, who the hell wants to buy new pants every year? I know, right? <laughs> I just started doing a blended food diet, man, and I just like crushed it. I just dropped the weight like crazy, and uh, I, I'm the type of person that doesn't sit down. I'm on my feet like probably ten to twelve hours a day. You're you're more my so, like my wife. My wife cannot yeah. just sit and chill. She has to it, constantly yeah, there's, there's, be doing something. 
Yeah, there's no such thing for me. Uh, and uh, if I'm sitting and chilling, uh, it's I'm miserable. And, yeah. and I like to run and all day long until I'm exhausted when I get home. But I I was gaining tons of weight, and uh, it was just you know my diet was just of such that I was just eating a lot of meat and um, not a lot of vegetables. Yeah, I love meat. I mean, nothing against meat, but you know I was just putting on the pounds. So I cut out alcohol for the most part. Like I gave up. You know, I was a, like a glass of wine, maybe two a night type of guy, mm-hmm. and then uh, I just gave it up and. Um, for when I was doing the grinder project, I went celibate from alcohol for three months. Mm-hmm. And you know how these people on the internet talk about like, oh, this is what happened to me when I went celibate from al- alcohol or whatever. And um, they gave it up. And um, none of that shit happened to me. I just <laughs> felt like it was, uh, I, I, I didn't think about it as much as I used to. One of the things I think that, that happened that was to my benefit was I stopped craving sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just had this craving for sugar constantly when I was, when I, whenever I would drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so, um, stopping that, I think that's what actually dropped all my weight was that I, wasn't drinking alcohol which was slowing my metabolism and i wasn't you know waking up in the morning and wanting to have that like fruit smoothie or whatever i was going to have that day or a candy bar or whatever because i just didn't crave it anymore you know so my body sort of went back to its normal like i weigh i don't know i weigh probably maybe 10 pounds more than what i weighed in high school but Mm. i don't feel fit I mean, there's nothing about me that's fit. It's just I don't have that extra body fat just sitting on my frame. Yeah, I'm right. in, I'm in that weird transition where I'm like uh, fit fat. Like yeah. I've got just enough fat that I don't like it, but I still have you know my muscle mass and. Uh, but yeah, I, well, my my main thing is I'm 41, and I'm like Jesus. I don't want to deal with this when I'm in my 60s. I need to get back on track and get you know drop the weight now and keep my muscle mass where it is because as you age your muscle mass will drop naturally and yeah i i just want to stave off any unnecessary pain and suffering in the future yeah totally you're smart yeah being proactive on that stuff for sure i think that's where our you know the standard american diet comes into play and we're all aging rapidly every day and then it one day just like catches up with you and and uh it'll it'll crush your soul for sure and then there, then it's like the tipping point happens you can't go backwards you really can't you can try you can get close but you can't go back so but uh i am right, i so. am so sorry todd for getting us off track not <laughs> off track here what are you talking about trent no this, need for what, what i like about what i like about our podcast is that there is no track you know we have a loose frame for what we're discussing and whoever the guest is that comes on the show they sort of steer things and and todd's strongman thing and his work as a stunt person is also very t- much tied into his love of exercise and health because he does that too um, um, you know, he, he does some personal training stuff and all that. So I used it to definitely works. You don't do it anymore. Now I, I officially hung up my trainer hat um, last year when uh, cause everything goes on hiatus as for the uh, holidays, like around Christmas, gotcha. all the all the TV shows and movies. And uh, it starts up again, you know, later on in, in the new year. And I had gotten to the point where it was so busy that uh 
it, it, it really wasn't fair to my clients. Like most of my, you get pretty friendly with most of your clients, you know, it's you spend a lot of time with them. It just wasn't fair to them because I never knew if I was going to be there and then, you know, I have to cancel on them short sure. notice. And so I said when last year, when everything went on hiatus, I was like, all right, you know, if, uh, if it starts getting busy again, next you know when everything starts up again i think it's probably time to officially hang out my trainer hat and you know that's what happened you know what that's called what's that it's called whole assing instead of half assing <laughs> you decide to whole ass one thing instead of half assing a bunch of different things yeah. I'm a big fan of the three-quarter ass myself. <laughs> I, I do a lot of that. I'll tell you what. Yeah, right. you should see this welding table. I'm uh, so the rest, the rest of the show is going to be specific ass dimensions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So did you three-quarter? Now that's more of a five-eighths of an ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell you but, what, man. I do miss it though. That was the only job that I really missed. I loved being a trainer. Like that was my. Uh, I, I was, was lucky it? in that. What? Go ahead. No, I. Sorry to interrupt. Was that okay. was? Did you get more out of it because you could see your clients growing, or was it the uh, passing on your knowledge, or a mixture of the two? Or I got it was probably a mixture of the two. Um, the biggest thing was that I've been that guy. Like I was a dumpy kid. Like I was not athletic when I was a kid. When and a teenager, I was nothing pretty much like i am today so i've been there like i was raised on a diet of mcdonald's you know, i didn't play sports in high school like i was i was overweight a lot of the time and now i can you know i can bend steel in my bare hands so it's like i i just i really enjoy showing people that they can do that that's what it is for That's me. really cool. Maybe you should do um, like some classes in strongman. I don't know. Maybe you do that already. I don't know. But I, I know you do. Like like people can hire you, right? Like so if if they're – There's got to be uh, enough hipsters that want to do that that you just have a built-in <laughs> yeah. audience. But yeah. like corporations hire you, right? Like you go and do shows yeah. in, to like motivate people kind of, right? Yeah. I started doing my uh, – I started officially doing corporate events right before this this year right before uh, everything shut down 2020 was awesome for the first part of it for me <laughs> is that like a snooze fest going to those corporate events though it's like a bunch of people talking about accounting or or what is it or is it actually i would imagine you could probably have fun anywhere right yeah well i mean i don't really i just come in and do my thing you know i'm not like oh you don't hang out not not beforehand no so i just kind of come in and do my thing and Hopefully everyone's like, whoa, that's awesome, you know, and then you got stuff to talk about. So I'm looking at your IMDb right now, and I'm just going through this list of your filmography, and I've mentioned a couple of them, but uh, Todd has been in, he would he just won a SAG award for The Joker, by the way, congratulations on that, that's like, that film that film blew me away, the, 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 the cinematography, the art direction, let alone the script and Joaquin was amazing did a great job uh, I feel like that movie is playing a, kind of a parallel right now with real life with all the rioting and all the BS going on out yeah. in the world yeah I didn't even think about that yeah yeah, it's, it's like I, was, I started watching it and I'm like wait a minute somebody living out their real life fantasy of being in the Joker right now <laughs> for real 
Yeah, but, I uh, wanna. I did not deserve that award, by the way. Thank you. But you I, say that, but I think you do because you know you're part of a team that works and does those things together. So you know you made that film happen in that regard. You know, so um, it's all part of a team effort, and I think that that's what's cool about that award for you. Thank you. And yeah, there is a part of me that's like, you know what? I I didn't just randomly get hired to work on you know the biggest movie that came out last year but so maybe i did deserve it a little bit i think you did i think you're <laughs> underplaying it a lot i mean i i like the humble side of you but i i also think that you should take credit where it's due uh you you've been in jessica jones the punisher quantico gotham numerous numerous episodes of gotham yeah um central intelligence you doubled for um the rock no i uh, i fought with? the rock you fought the rock. I fought the rock. Yeah. No, I was doubling a guy named Tim Smith. Ah, oh, right on. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you watch, if you watch Central Intelligence, the dude with the beard, there's a special agent with special agent with a beard, that uh, brown hair with a beard that uh, has a one-on-one fight scene. Is that the where rock. they're fighting in the office? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I've seen your work, sir. Oh, cool. And working with Dwayne Johnson's, I've heard he's just like a, a real nice dude. He was awesome. He was awesome. Slight, That's yeah. awesome. Slight tangent. Have you ever done any work with Master Ken? Master Ken? He's, no. He's, so he's a YouTube personality, but he's actually a working actor and martial oh, artist. Oh, he's, he's the comedian type of yeah. guy, right? Yeah. With the mustache. Yeah. yeah. No, I've never met him. He's hilarious, though. That'd be pretty cool to see you two work together. <laughs> yeah i and and the what, there's a great story i don't i don't know if i can share this or not but i'll tell the story anyway my my other brother-in-law on my sister so my sister's husband uh he's a big fan fan of this film that was shot in the late 70s early 80s the warriors 70s, was that? Warriors. 70s. Warriors. the warriors yeah. I, I worked with that Dude, yeah, I worked with that it. guy that did that, uh, yeah. David Patrick Kelly. Yeah, yeah, that's the story I was going to tell. So you, you, we're all sitting at a table, and, and and we're having dinner in Pennsylvania. My Both my brother-in-laws are at the table, and Jay tells him about how much he loves this movie. And then you finish the story, because this is great. I love this. Uh, which story? There's actually The picture two. you sent him. Oh, yeah, that was the, the video. Yeah, that's a different yeah. guy. So the, oh, the, oh, the, yeah. the guy that did the Warriors voice, that's a guy named David Patrick Kelly. So I got to work. Yeah, so I worked with a couple of dudes from uh, Warriors. Um, train of thought is gone. Jay, our brother-in-law. Yes, yes, okay. So he's a big fan of the Warriors, and he has a poster of... Um, so if you're not familiar with the Warriors, uh, it's this this it's like this you post-apocalyptic tale based in 1970s new york where all the different neighborhoods have these representative gangs and the warriors are are a gang from coney island and they have to make their way back through new york to get back home so they have to fight all these real stylized specific gangs one of the gangs is called the baseball furies so these dudes on dressed up as baseball players with these creepy painted faces and they're all on roller skates and they all roll around and beat you up with baseball bats so uh they had real good drugs in the 70s (laughs) right (laughs) um so the leader of that gang the baseball furies was a guy named um jerry hewitt 
who is now a very well-known stunt coordinator who I who I have the privilege of knowing and have worked with now. So, uh, yeah, Jay, our brother-in-law Jay, is all talking about the the Warriors and blah, 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 um, and uh, has a poster of that character that he, you know, kind of covets and loves it. And I was like, I know that guy. And uh, he was like, get the, f-, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Can, you can imagine what uh, his reaction was. And he asked me if I could get his autograph. Thing is, autographs are very touchy. In when you're when you're on when you're working, right? It's kind of a big big giant no no. Like you don't want to be that guy. And uh, so I was like, ah, I kind of can't. Even Jerry is an awesome person and totally would. But it's like, like I said, just don't. You don't want to be that guy because you don't know how people are going to act. It's not professional, et cetera, et cetera. But not too long after that. I was working with Jerry, with Jerry Hewitt on uh, Happy, that show Happy, mm-hmm. and uh, told him the situation. I was like, "Look, my, you know, this guy Jay is, it has a picture of you. <laughs> like, can you can you send him a little video message or something like that?" So, uh, yeah, I got a little a personal video greeting for Jay from this guy that he's had a poster of since forever. And weren't you like laying in a pile of blood or something? <laughs> he, like? he, yeah, he was. He was. Oh, he was. That's yeah, right. Because we were on set. The episode was hilarious. We, it's, uh, I'm not even going to get into what it was, but it was like, it, it, it was a Nazi old folks home. <laughs> and the uh the the main character discovers that the all these old folks in the home are all Nazis and they're all trying to kill him so because they're Nazis he just goes around and he's like killing all these old people it's hilarious so anyway yeah there was a big fake puddle of blood sitting there so Jerry took the opportunity to lie in it and give Jay his greeting yeah, that this goes to show you how small the world is because, like, I've never heard of that movie in my life. And Jay, who I also respect his his uh, his um, sort of his uh, out outlook on film and all the things that he has to say about film, I'm like, man, you know, this must be a movie. And I have yet to really watch the movie, so I need to go sit down and watch it. But um, and then hearing you guys talk about it and then shortly thereafter getting i was in the text thread when you sent that video <laughs> i was like you got to be kidding me this is insane am i in the twilight zone right now or what <laughs> right it was awesome it was a really cool thing i often so, find myself asking asking that question yeah i bet you do have a very and, surreal and, life sometimes and so as of right now though i gotta ask and with covid and the way the world is right now you are you working or is it like is it every all the film studios shut down or what everything's shut down dude um they are moving forward that's all i can say right now i think la is pretty much ready to go if they're not already in production um new york which is where i usually work is not quite there yet but they have passed the official rules apparently that that they are going to abide by so that we can get started um i don't know that just that just happened a couple days ago where the official rules were passed so i don't really know 
Are you eager to go back and start working again? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm eager for everything to just be back to normal. You know what I mean? But yeah, definitely, dude. I haven't worked since since everything happened. Yeah, it's Um, been months. It's been months, and I heard when this all came out, the word was probably like September that that we would probably be working again. September of yeah. 2020. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm curious because I, I I create content on YouTube and I you know do this podcast and whatever and and um, I'm by no means like followed by you know I'm not like a famous person but like I feel like um, I I know the business of what like not show business but content creation it's it's all about being able to put out new things mm-hmm. all the time right yeah. and and just so that you know anybody can now download it and find it and watch it and whatever and there's a lot of money to be made doing it um, unfortunately I don't make any money hardly doing it but it at at this point but I feel like there, there's got to be so many there's gonna there's just gonna be this huge window in in these in production that is lost yeah i mean it's it's like the ripple effect i would think yeah you know we we, we basically shut things down in mid-production so you know all the actors and actresses who are working on different pieces will all have to be brought back up to speed and yeah you know hopefully they weigh the same and look the same and sound the same and right. and uh you know it it's to me it's it just seems like Anybody who's anybody right now that's not doing social media that's in that world should be because, yeah. you know, guys like me, I'm able to produce content and get in front of 20,000 people, you know, twice a week. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, it for me, that's like a huge win. I'm doing it alone, though. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have like a production staff or anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you do your own stunts? I do Ryan. my own. Yeah. Well, I bring Todd in for some of them now that, you know, he doesn't charge me too much. But, yeah, yeah, I do all my own stunts. I do all my own welding, too. Tell you, you what, man. I've doubled dudes that would be that were a way further stretch than doubling you would be. You and I sort of look alike. We have we have similar style and everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. yeah but I just have a different. I think I'm a little bit, like, lankier than you are. I'm a little. I'm, we're the same height. Mm-hmm. But I'm like very like I'm like just we're different in that regard. Like you just look stocky and big, you know, like you just have like this. You definitely have this like almost like um, uh, who's the guy that played the Hulk? But the not he played Bruce Banner, but not the in, in the old TV show. Uh, the guy that the guy that played the Hulk in the old TV show. Yeah, what's his name? Oh, Lou the, Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno. You, you think I bo- look like Lou Ferrigno? I think you have the body of Lou Ferrigno. Dude. Yeah. Of course I do. That's, <laughs> that's pretty high praise. That's Yeah, yeah. I when, when they would if I painted you green and ripped up your shorts, you would look a lot like like from the neck down. I mean, Lou Ferrigno's got a very like uh Italian-looking face, you know, or Croatian, I'm not sure who where he's from, but um but I, I, what I was getting at with that whole social media stint thing was uh, you, you were saying earlier about Chris Ryder and doing work on TikTok. And I just got a notification. I'm not on TikTok at the moment, um, but um, TikTok is the old. What was it? What did it used to be? Um, musically? Yeah. Or something yeah. Like musically. That? Yep. And uh, and so they've started monetizing that. Can, do you know anything about that? 
I know very little about it, but yeah, I, uh, Chris was actually the one that, because, you know, I try to build a social media presence myself, but uh, I haven't gone as far with it as some other people because I am a stuntman. You know, it's not my one thing. Talking about, you know, half-assing things earlier. It's not my <laughs> one not my one focus. Sure. So I haven't gotten um, to uh, any kind of substantial following or anything yet but chris has my coach my mentor my strongman mentor chris Ryder, has specifically with tiktok he uh he has put a lot of effort into it and it's starting to pay off for him and yeah they've monetized it now and he's uh slowly but surely starting to do something with it he's got uh I think he's got like 200,000 followers now all of his videos are I mean he gets it uh, a lot of them are up in the millions um, you know he it's a minimum five-figure views with his videos now he's he's doing really well with it and people are and he works really stuff. hard at it yeah he's he like does. one of those guys that like when you watch his stuff it's well thought out and he's really he's putting his energy into it and you can tell totally and, I, and he's, I love that stuff he's totally he's very accommodating to his viewers like he responds you he know does. people make requests he'll do it and he just has a totally good time with it and uh it really comes off people really respond he's got no attitude about it whatsoever even p- people question him because he's a strong man and you know he's doing this seemingly unbelievable stuff so it's weird with that. So a lot of people just have a hard time believing that uh, some of the stuff can be done and talk smack. But even with the smack talkers, he's gracious and doesn't yeah. cop an attitude. And you got to love your haters. Yeah. I, I've learned that. And if, if you know people that want to question you, you have a choice. You have a, a choice to return and be snarky and be a jerk mm-hmm. or you can educate them and there's just like some dudes on there there's like one guy like maybe two or three guys actually now but they they really love to rib me about my work uh-huh. and um you know i've always taken the high road with it i don't you know you know they're it's just they're mostly safety sallies you know these guys <laughs> that are like oh if you do it this way you're gonna end up you know ripping your arm off and blah 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 and, <laughs> right um it, you know stuff like that i i, I always I, read I, those I comments of that voice too <laughs> yeah that's it that's exactly i i have labeled them um old angry machinists oams yeah. because a lot of these guys with the work that i do with metal and all uh, and I don't know what it is, but a lot of these guys that worked in the machining world and Trent, maybe you can educate me a little bit on this. They tend to be very matter of fact. So there, and there's like one way to do it, and that that's the only way. Even though there's not more, well, there's, you know, there's more than one way. There's two. There's, there's two the, things going on there, and I understand them. I. I see why they're that way, and I actually agree with it to some extent. Not the whole being a troll thing, but, you know, it only takes one time of having to clean up after somebody else's accident where you find their body tissue still in a machine or on a machine, (laughs) or you're cleaning up their blood or, you know, just stuff like that. That really, it kind of, if it doesn't gel in your mind, you probably shouldn't be in a shop, period. Right. Uh, and right. there's the other side where, like it or not, yes, you can you can spitball and you can try different things. And but it's a science. There is there is data 
and there are it's applied physics there are only so many ways to do things correctly and that's not to discourage anybody it's like don't try to reinvent the wheel we've been doing this for 200 years there are formulas and charts just follow the information you know so like i get that part because there's a difference between a guy playing in a shed and i'm not discounting it like you're playing in your shed like oh you're playing with your toys no it's like you don't have the same constraints or goals of efficiency of production that an actual shop does you know they're 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 a mini factory and their goal is to produce things as efficiently as possible and that means you don't you don't play around and experiment unless you have something in your back pocket that you're like it it worked in this situation i wonder if i could apply it to this situation well i will tell you that uh i do consider what i do playing around for the most part because i love it it doesn't feel like work to me but at, at the same time i am producing something but you're right i'm not looking at precision I'm yeah not, you're not I'm trying not to doing... knock seconds off and yeah, in yeah, the machine yeah. shop game that's that's literally where those increments come in save three seconds on this operation over a thousand parts that's a lot of time Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I, I think what what I find interesting about these guys is is their ability to give me negative, like sort of advice. But it's not really advice. It's just like this is what's going to happen to you, and you're a moron. And then when you say, okay, well, how do I fix it? They don't come up with a solution. They just totally. they don't, they're like you're a moron. You know, I'm not even going to bother with it. You know, yeah, totally. you bothered with making me feel like shit. So why don't you you know help me a little bit here? Well, and that's it. that. They don't care. That's probably more, uh, you know, bitterness and jadedness because they've. I hate to say this, but they want to be cool like me and be on YouTube. Is that kind of there? There is, uh, you know, (laughs) it is. It's 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 that, and it's more like the industry. Unless you're working in certain shops or certain kinds of of industry, it's gotten really staid. It the the pay has not kept up with the pace of inflation. I don't know if you realize Uh how much. You know micrometers and and shit cost but i mean like you've a, a machinist can easily have as much in his little roller toolbox as a mechanic will with his big snap-on roller boxes and the pay is less the hours are longer you're standing on concrete you know it, there's a lot of places where you can be an operator which they call a button pusher or you can be a programmer but there's not a lot of places that offer some op- upward mobility to go from being a button pusher to being a programmer and so like there's a lot of built-in resentment and bitterness in the industry you know and there's the old guys who just can't get on with the news you know cnc and cam programming and they're old school and there are there are places for manual machining but the by and large we're not we're not knocking stuff out you know, World War II style where you've got a Logan and you've got to make 60 pieces an hour. We're not doing that kind of work anymore. That's done on the CNC. And these old guys who, you know, either stepped out before or just couldn't grasp the concept of the coding, you know, the the G-code, they just kind of, they they feel left behind. And, and I'm not trying to, like, say I speak for everyone, but I've heard all of these arguments. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I just I just find it funny that I can't. Uh, no, it's it's unfortunate because they're shitting on you because they felt shit on. And it's like, how does that improve anything? 
It, it's a weird psychological thing, and it's with every single profession in the world. I really, yeah, do you get this in your world? Oh, absolutely. I was just about to say, I realized a long time ago in, in the stunt world specifically, but it applies to every profession. But uh, you can do the coolest thing in the freaking world where everybody's like, whoa, that's awesome. There's going to be some people who talk smack about it. There's just going to be. It's weird. It's a weird psychological thing that pe- some people have. And it's just, just uh, accept it just as much as you are going to have people that are like, whoa, awesome, and get, you know, give whatever the praise it deserves. Sure enough, just as just as much a part of that is going to be people that talk smack. It's yeah. bizarre. Yep. Yeah. It is. Unfortunately, it's, but you you nailed it on the head. It it is. It's across every industry, every profession. You've you've got the the sour sallies, and you've got the you know the Pollyannas, and you've got a mix in between, and you're going to see the gamut of just reactions, and you know it's just an an unfortunate, but completely normal part of the human existence i guess yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna take a moment to segue into something we're at the one hour mark by the way and uh, this has been an awesome conversation i'm gonna segue into one of the things we always like to ask anybody that comes into our studio so we can sit down and find out a little bit more about them is i like to ask the question so this one's for you todd okay if you could meet anybody in history oh yeah who would it be and why I was thinking about this. I think if I had absolutely had to narrow it down to one person, which is hard, I think I would probably pick Bruce Lee. Awesome. Ah. Awesome. He he was a huge influence in my life. So I was kind of a after I graduated high school, I didn't go to college or anything, didn't really have a career path going on. And uh, long story short, I decided on to change my life around and, and be... Th- uh, remember I told you I was a complete non-athlete and you know ate junk food all the time, blah, 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 when I was younger? Mm-hmm. When I decided to change that all around... I'm I basically tried to model my life on Bruce Lee. And uh that is actually when I I quit smoking cigarettes, quit doing all kinds of bad stuff and you know, started uh changing my life for the better. And um one of the biggest things about him is that most people when you hear Bruce Lee, it's like, "Oh yeah, the dude from the kung fu movies." Yeah, he was the first one. Nobody really realizes that anymore. He was the first freaking Asian guy to star in an American Hollywood movie. Do you know how freaking substantial that is? Not not yeah, only of, that. Th- that moment in history, right? Because of the of World War II and, you know, there was all this stuff with the Japanese internment camps mm-hmm. and all the things we had going on in this country. We don't think of it now in that regard, but uh yeah, that that's a big deal. He was also in the Green Lantern, yes. right? No, the the Green Hornet. He oh, was, the Green he Hornet. He was Kato. Yeah. He was Kato. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
And uh, that's where everyone was trying to keep him because even up to that point in the 60s, late 60s and early 70s, Hollywood was freaking racist, man. It's just a fact. It was. Yeah, and that was 15 years after World War II. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, 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 it was still real fresh. Totally. And uh, so with that in mind, for him to be able to overcome that is so big. People just don't think about how freaking big that was. And get top billing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was exactly that. He, uh, I don't know a bunch about him, but he died doing a stunt, right? No, no, no. He, uh, his, the, or that was his son. Yeah, his son. Brandon. Yeah, Brandon got shot. Yep. He, uh, That's there's, right. there's rules and regulations that as a stuntman we have to abide by today, to this day, specifically because of Brandon Lee. He changed, changed the whole, uh, safety process on set when it comes to firearms and things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the Crow. That yep. was the movie. Yep. Yeah, the, the Crow. crow. Yeah, and it was mostly shot. It was almost finished. That's why they could put the film out still, right? Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they got a lot of footage, and uh, yeah, his uh, his stunt double is a guy named Chad Chahelski, who is uh, uh, come into his own as a director now. He did uh, the John Wick movies. Awesome! Oh, yeah. yeah, those are great films. That explains yeah. why the stunts are so cinematic. Yep, totally, absolutely. Um, so as um, as far as meeting Bruce Lee, everything that I just said, and you, uh, uh, he has he has a book called Letters of the Dragon, which is all you know. This was pre-internet days of his correspondence to all his family and friends so you get a look into bruce lee's life and what he was going through all the way up from before anybody knew who he was till pretty much right as he was doing enter the dragon so through his letters you get to see his rise and uh everything that he had to deal with at that time and I'll tell you what, man, you're ever having a bad day and you like you feel like a failure and you're, you're not going to be successful for whatever reason, take a look through that book. It's called Letters of the Dragon and you realize that uh, what he did, what he accomplished and had to deal with in order to accomplish that was on such an epic scale that uh, it really makes you feel like, okay, you know what, maybe what I'm dealing with is not so bad. If he could right. do that. Like maybe you can push through. I like a lot of his visualization techniques. Totally. You know, the things that he talked about was seeing himself do something before he did it. Yeah. In his mind. Yeah. And then converting that over to actual physics and doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a, uh, the art of expressing the human body is another book of his, which focuses all, on all of his uh, training methods. And uh, he was into a lot of the strongman stuff himself. Mm-hmm. He was he was super strong and always a student of uh, physical culture. And hey, Todd, what yeah. what do you think about? I've always made the argument that Jeet Kune Do, the the discipline that he started, was actually mm-hmm. the first mixed martial art. Uh yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you could uh, because he integrated so many different ideas into a traditional kung fu frame that it that he changed it it was no longer kung fu it was its own art 
but yeah he had no problem borrowing from from weightlifting or boxing or wrestling or anything judo yeah 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 i guess that probably was the first official one you know there were guys that cross trained but never said this is the style so yeah i think i think you could make a pretty good argument that it was probably the first official mixed martial art yeah yeah that was the whole purpose was that he found shortcomings in his uh kung fu style so he was like screw that i'm gonna do everything and anything you know Mm mm-hmm I'm getting quite the education here. I I have absolute zero knowledge in that world. Uh, I think Kill Bill and and my my is about the as close as I ever got to watching anything even relatable to Kung Fu. And like the, (laughs) and I know that that's kind of like a bastardized version of it. But I love Quentin Tarantino's uh, take on Kung Fu, so it's it's a kind of cool for me to sit and listen to you guys jib jab about it. I love I love Kill Bill because he does it. He pays it respect. Like yes. he, he's not making it look silly. He's like he's he's doing an, every scene in that is an homage to kung fu and all old martial arts movies and everything. People, uh, Bruce Lee fans, a lot of Bruce Lee fans were not happy with his portrayal of uh, Bruce Lee in Once, Once Upon, Upon a Time? Time in Hollywood. Oh man, yeah, I got I got friends that were uh, stuntman friends that were really really not happy and took it personally and um ceased, that's a, ceased to that's be that's that quentin tarantino piece that just came out yeah right? it's his the latest one yeah, yeah Brad Pitt, latest one. leonardo dicaprio yep yep yeah um he he uh whatever it's <laughs> it didn't affect me personally i was like whatever that's his take on it you know fine yeah. but uh a lot of guys took it really personally and um it ceased to become Tarantino fans specifically ah, because of that. that. Come on, I always, yeah, I, mean, I always wonder about the emotional investment that somebody has to make to be that, like that easily offended. You know, you yeah, know what I mean. Like, I agree. I get, yeah. th- there are truly offensive things, and then there's just like, oh, oh, they went after your sacred cow, so now all of a sudden it's a big deal. <laughs> right, right, right. I get. I, I the way I saw it was like. All right, if you're going to get mad at that, like, are you going to get mad about all those Bruce Lee imitation movies that came out in the 70s? Did you ever ever see those? Yeah. When Bruce Lee died, they had all these Bruce Lee clones that come out claiming to be, you know, trying to be like Bruce Lee, and they're just these ridiculous movies. It's like, well, are you going to get mad at those? I am the biggest, I am the biggest film weirdo fan because I love all the grindhouse shit, all the B movies. Uh, you remember uh, USA Up All Night with Rhonda Shear and then of course Gilbert USA yeah. Up All Night yeah, yeah. Uh, you know all of those the Grindhouse the black exploitation the B movies the just the cheesy shit and also like the really weird avant garde stuff like to me that is so much more fun to watch than like I I get the beauty of some of these well done and and produced uh oscar movies and stuff like that but i like just the fun campy over the top sorry for what oh just you know for rambling 
Oh no, it's no, okay. No, you're, tell us. you're speaking my language. I yeah, and stuff. here I I have this question on my mind. I want to ask both of you guys this question. If you had to pick one film that you would put at the top of your list, like what's your go-to movie? And I'll answer the question too after you guys answer your your. Uh, I want to hear your answers first. But if you like, when you sit down and you want to watch a film, what's one you can just watch over and over? Oh man, there's there's too many. I can watch a bunch of them. You got to pick one. <laughs> I have pick to. One. Yeah, pick one. All right. Um, probably, I would, if I had to pick one, I guess I would probably have to say Pulp Fiction. Ah, okay. That's a good one. Tarantino piece. Yeah. Or Reservoir that, Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is awesome. I love Reservoir Dogs, but Pulp Fiction, as far as I know, was the first one to really do what it did and really go out of that blueprint of a, of what a movie is, you know, act one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really go out of that model and, and put and it... make in, it work. Yeah, and put it into a cohesive story where, you know... You didn't walk away thinking, wait, what the hell just happened? I mean, he basically put that script in a blender <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and blended it up. And then at the end, you got this beautiful, you know, Mai Tai, yep, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So for that reason, because that is why we talked earlier about how we're uh, film snobs. You know, that's one of my biggest reasons is because that 99% of all movies are are a freaking cookie cutter blueprint mm-hmm. and you you know what's gonna happen you know how it's gonna play out and it's like oh it just drives me so it just doesn't There's a science to this shit man you got you you're it's like every film has that you know character development and the climax and the protagonist you get the oh yeah and it's the sto- it's the basic story of everything this is what we want as human beings and i'd like to use the example of the matrix mm. as as a as a very good clean example of how easy it is to watch that movie and and become a part of the world that is the matrix Mm. and then feel like you're neo yeah like you're you're essentially him in in that film and then it's like oh the possibilities you know yeah yeah, and and you know i i love that film for that reason that's not my number one film by the way but but that that is a classic you you snuck another one in all right in there yeah yeah. (laughs) all right trent so what's your what's your go-to uh Two of them, actually. Oh, you're breaking. The Everyone's frame. got right. two. Sorry, but I chose one. You right. have to. Yeah, you have you to understand. Uh, it's just kind of my my background, and my wife always has to have something playing in the background. So mm-hmm. when I do actually choose something that I want to watch, she's like, you know, go go ahead or whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's two. It it really depends on my mood. I'm a simple mm-hmm. man. I like the Big Lebowski and I like the Goonies. <laughs> Damn, those are good ones. Those are good he ones. He stole mine, Trent. Well, the Goonies is so nostalgic for me. Absolutely, yeah, the Goonies is good. Are you? You a, can watch that over and over. Are you a fan of the Monster Squad at all? I've I've heard of it. I have not seen it. Oh, you've never seen it. Oh, I've never man. seen it either. Oh, you haven't? No. Picture the Goonies. With the classic Universal monsters, Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman and stuff. Ah. That's that's the Monster Squad. And where can we watch the Monster Squad? Oh, dude, it's pretty popular, especially now because every guys our age are, uh, you know, we were kids when it came out, so 
it's it's grown in popularity again. Now, can now, you see it like on Netflix or does who streams it? Yeah, probably. Know? I'm not sure, but I mean, you can okay. do a look for uh, Monster Squad. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why that movie came out was because of the Goonies. It's all it's like kind of the exact same movie, but with monsters in it. So that's more up my alley. I have you guys ever seen the movie called The Explorers? Yeah, and remember it was with River Phoenix. Yes, and. Um, they were little too. They were like little kids. Mm-hmm. They they um, and Ethan Hawke is in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, and uh, that's I'm one of just those thinking. Stand movies, by like me now. Yeah, Stand by Me is good too. Yeah, love Stand by Me. Well, because uh, yeah. the the actors that you mentioned, like I'm I'm, mm-hmm. oh, I'm yeah. stuck in that like 80s. What is it like Corey Haim and um, no Corey Feldman? Corey Feldman, yeah. that's it. Is in that yeah. Yeah. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, Stand by Me is a great. Yep. Patrick Swayze wasn't in uh, Stand By Me. What's What's the one where, hey, you guys want to go see a dead body? Yeah, that's Stand yeah. By Me. What's the other yeah. one? The Outsiders? I'm thinking of the yeah, Outsiders. The out- yeah, the Outsiders. The Outsiders had a whole big old cast of future stars. Sorry, I'm just yeah. stuck in that like 80s because that was like pre-coming of age, but like, uh, you know, I was getting out of the, the kid stage and starting to become a teenager. And like sure. all that stuff just really resonated with me, you know. And it holds up because I have teenagers now, and I've shown shown them the Goonies and and uh, the Explorers. Yeah, and they 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 get totally sucked into it. Yeah, they loved it. Yeah. Yep. So all right, so my my go to film also is The Big Lebowski, and uh, that is like one I can watch. I could see it once a day, and it wouldn't bother me if I had the time. I could watch it, but since you <laughs> already said The Big Lebowski, yeah, well, that's go just like my, your opinion, man. I, I, <laughs> calmer than you are. <laughs> calmer than you are. Now get your uh, gold so freaking ass out of my office, Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's one of my favorite. I can quote movie uh, that the lines from that film all day long. I love that. I love that piece. And the Coen Brothers, you know, a lot of their stuff is hit or miss. I mean, they have a lot of really great classic films they put out. Um, uh, oh, brother, where art thou? Is another one of my favorite Coen Brothers one. films. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sarah, my wife, can't stand that movie. Oh, really? Way, and I don't really know why. Um, but uh, okay, so my number two choice would be I'm a big Wes Anderson uh, fan and I love his work and uh, I would I would have to pick The Life Aquatic Ooh. with Bill Murray yeah. uh, that is uh, that's another one I get sucked into or even I could even go to a third and say The Royal Tenenbaums if you're going to really get into it uh, <laughs> because I love the world that Wes Anderson creates you mm-hmm. know with his pieces um, it's just I get sucked into it and I really enjoy oh, it oh now but, I want uh, a third because yeah. like I know, right? I want All right, a second. Yeah, go well, ahead. I, yeah, this I is, totally. Lo- we'll talk. We'll call this episode "Film yeah, Talk." I totally yeah. love Napoleon Dynamite. Oh yeah, sure, That's a great piece. Well, because yeah. I grew up in that area. Oh, did well, you? Well, Wyoming, Wait, Wyoming like is like an even more rural version of Idaho and Utah. Mm-hmm. Like we are literally twenty uh, years behind everyone else. <laughs> and, and so, like, I grew up in that. You know the. The small, little, rural, clickish, you know, you got the Chads that play football and you got the Beckys that are going to be homecoming queen and you got the new kid that moves in and people, you know, like. <laughs> Do people have llamas? Yes, actually, not not more than a half a mile from my house. I walk my dogs past a field that has six llamas in it. 
That's hilarious. Hey, Tina, come here, Tina. Get, <laughs> Eat your stupid meatball. Eat your ham. <laughs> we, I went to school with a kid that could not be more Napoleon Dynamite if he tried. No kidding. The way he dressed, looked, talked, everything was literally Napoleon Dynamite. They called him Moon Boots because he wore <laughs> he wore uh, snow boots nickname. all year. I want that nickname. I want people to call me Moon Boots. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, guys, we're at an hour 18, and we've had fantastic conversations from everything from building crap to watching crap on TV and actually half-assing, three-quarter-assing, and five-eighths-assing <laughs> things. Yeah. Hey, can can I tell one quick story before Please we uh, do, wrap up? Please do because I interrupted you and I feel so bad. Oh, no worries, man. It's, tell uh, the story. This has been fun. So I want to tell this to all the listeners because it pertains to both Brian and I. So I was talking earlier about the book that influenced me the most into getting into uh, stunt work, right? The Strongman by Joe Bonomo. I'll try to make this as quick as I can. So you, you uh, have all the time in the world. We're on, under no time constraints. Oh, okay, so feel cool. Free. All right, awesome. So that book really affected me. You know, I carry it around with me, and I read it. I reread it all the time. It it really influenced my life because now I'm a professional stuntman, um, as well as a strongman, as was the author Joe Bonomo. So you know how when you reread. Um, books a lot of times stuff will stand out to you that for some reason never did before mm -hmm. right so I'm reading this book again it's the autobiography of this silent film star stuntman that nobody has ever ever heard of and somehow I got connected with this book and it really affected my life I'm reading it one day so the author Joe Bonomo his family were uh, came from Turkey and they were candy makers. So this is the late 1800s, early 1900s. They came to America, and there's this one part of his book where he claims that his father introduced the ice cream cone to America. You've heard this story, right, Brian? I have. Yeah, I have. So, That's good. So he claims that his father introduced the ice cream cone to America. It just so happens that my father-in-law and Brian's father-in-law's grandfather, a, a, a man named David Avieu, is largely credited with being the guy that introduced the ice cream cone to America. Ooh. For some for some reason, this just just never stood out to me in the hundred times that I read this book. Controversy. Like, I like it. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm reading it, and whoever whoever really did will probably never officially be recognized. Resolved because yeah, there was no copyrights or anything like that. So, but the guy largely there's books about him. His name's David Avieu. A lot of people will will agree that he was the guy. But anyway, besides all that, I was like, wait a minute, and and uh, our. Brian and I, our wives, family, they are also from Turkey. So I'm like, uh, I started putting two and two together. You know, they're both families are from Turkey. They're both in the, uh, I guess, food business, the candy business, stuff like that. And I'm like, I wonder, 
if the two families like knew each other or whatever so i started digging doing some uh digging in the amongst the elders of my wife's family the abus it turns out that they knew each other does not only knew each other but were like really close so my wife's family brian's wife's family their father's side of the family was super tight with the Bonomos, with this freaking guy who's this silent film star whose book affected my life. And I now, you know, my life as it is today was affected by this guy's book. That guy was super tight with my father-in-law's family a long time ago. What's insane about that is that you found out about it later. Way you know, later. Like you, you had no idea. It was Way just, later. Like, this is the. This brings me back to the great magnet story. Yep, the the I, synchronicity I it, and kismet of it is just so. Yeah, it, it, we end up out the. Uh, we Trent and I have talked about this on other episodes, but there's this thing that I believe in, and I think Trent does as well. That there's this magnetism, you know, that and when you put this energy out into the world, eventually it comes back around, and it and it starts. It's things are drawn to you. I'm a big fan of um, the Alchemist, you know, the book. Yeah, you and, and me and both. He, yeah, yeah, and uh, um, the, there's there's some really. That that undertone is the same as that book. Basically, it says you know if you start thinking in a certain way, all of that energy will come to you, mm-hmm. um, as long as it resonates with what your true path is or your true groove of uh, should be. Right. And I think ultimately that's how you ended up. You know, maybe there's something to it. You know, and there's a little bit of hokey pokey in there. I mean, who knows? But it's so. What are the odds? I know that's the like that's way too coincidental. That's just way too coincidental incidental that i'm talking to uh, uncle brucey you know this from from david's side of the family oh yeah the strong man we used to go over there and what well you're like wait what and your head is just exploding blew my freaking mind every saturday we'd have kebabs together basically oh that's what he said Yep. And didn't they get into huge arguments about who actually created the ice cream cone? <laughs> it probably did. I wonder if there was like a unspoken a tension huge falling out. <laughs> that was it. I'm telling you right now, this I, we created the ice cream. He stole the idea from me. <laughs> I could just hear it now. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny. Yeah. So that that story will forever blow my mind. That is super cool. Trent, what did your family create? Did they was there was the, <laughs> what the you inventor got? of like the turducken or something? Uh, <laughs> what what comes out of Wyoming? Well, <laughs> well, like I said, Wyoming as a state, we're basically District Twelve. You know, it's all agricultural and mineral. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, oil, gas, uh, soda ash. We I think we produce the most soda ash of any. Uh, state in the what would we use soda ash for? Uh, making glass and all kinds of other stuff oh okay uh, uh, as for my family oh man uh, my my grandpa was an awesome guy but he was he, he really wasn't like a an inventor or anything cool like your grandpa uh, but my my mom's dad was a real estate guy and he had a, a Piper Cub. He flew a Piper Cub back in Michigan. And then uh, like if I if I trace my dad's side of the family back, like we 
we basically got kicked out of Scotland and then we came over here to America and uh yeah kicked out of scotland yeah how does that happen well, how do you well, get kicked it, out of it was because of the 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 royal politics at the time like we were mm-hmm. we were related to people who were the you know the the more powerful nobles and i guess we caused a ruckus and did some stuff that was politically untenable and we had an option of leaving or getting murdered so i think they decided to beat do they strip you of your kilt and send you on your well, way? Well, I, I, I still have works? a family crest, and like uh, we actually have our own family uh, tartan. Uh, but that was so many generations ago that like I don't know how much I actually have a genetic relationship to those people anymore. I just <laughs> I just know that that's where uh, on my dad's side where our family came from. Uh, and then on. Yeah, on my mom's side, if you tr- if you trace it back through uh, my grandma's side, uh, they were kind of the merchant class out of England. So, you know, I don't know how far back that goes. For all I know, they could have, one of our family members could have worked directly for the, the India Trading Company. Mm. Um, that, that's I the like, problem. Uh, I'm American. Like we, we, you know, we're, we're a Heinz 57. We're just, we're, we're yeah, mutts. We're mutts. Yeah. Yep, I have a I have one ancestry test uh, being being done as we speak. Sent oh, in yeah? for it. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think it's going to come back as? Well, I know I have a lot of Welsh and German in me. What is it with us Welsh guys no, marrying these Turkish we're, gals? We're blindingly white. I don't know. It's, so yeah. you know what's you know what's <laughs> funny? You were talking about your your wives are Turkish ancestry. Mm-hmm. So my wife is the whitest white girl that ever whited. Um, <laughs> her parents were both Air Force uh, uh, nurses. Mm-hmm. And she was actually born in Ankara, Turkey, while they were uh, stationed over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so she's Turkish by birth. Right. But American because, you know, her parents were American. And yeah. so I always I always tease her about that because she's the person that inevitably when you go through security she's going to be pulled aside and like checked yeah. because you know for whatever reason. And I was like, well, if you'd stop being a terrorist, yeah, I know, which is, right? which is not just, racist because my wife is white. I just like to tease her about it. Yeah, hey, you can't be a terrorist like that. When, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? I knew nothing about Turkey until I started talking with uh, our father-in-law, David, and who his name is David Avenue as well. But mm-hmm. it, I knew nothing about it. And then um, I, a, a gent uh, who follows me on um, YouTube, his name is Kivank. He's a Turkish guy. Mm-hmm. So. And he's one of these guys that's like doesn't have qualms about like video calling me from time to time, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> I'm and sitting I, on the toilet. <laughs> I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the the culture over there is pretty interesting. So I'm like plugged in with um, a couple of Turkish guys. Tr Maker is one of them, who is a, a guy who's manufacturing a bunch of knife making supplies and things, and he ships them over here to the U.S. Well, he's like Turkish, and then so, but he doesn't speak really good English. So I I hire Kivank to uh, translate for me in Turkish and English 
And um, those in and of themselves could be like um, Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes <laughs> because it's just like it's nobody knows who the hell is saying what. And I'm just going, no, I need a half inch bearing, yeah. a half inch. Tell them it's an RS six oh six. And like you know, we're and, and it, it, there's so much lost in translation. And Kivang, if you're listening, I love you, brother, and uh, I, I appreciate all your help. Thank you so much. But um, the, what I found about Turkish people is they're just so kind. Like, there's so many nice people over there. And it's one of those countries I knew nothing about. And then I started getting into their culture and learning about them. And yeah. and uh, I'll never understand the language. It's it's very, it's different than anything I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a pretty awesome place to visit and very uh, accommodating from what I hear. I totally have heard the same thing. In fact, uh, they're right on the Mediterranean. And there's just like all that, that beautiful um, landscape there that's just, you know, it, a, a lot of people go there to sail. You know, they sail up into that big uh, sound mm-hmm. right there off of, uh, anyway, I don't know enough about I it. Ju- I can't really I just can't it, help but think of the song. You know, it, what's that? It's Istanbul. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that one. It's Istanbul. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm such a terrible, ugly American, but. <laughs> I've never they might seen be giants so is know. one of the best bands that was ever created and i got a chance to see them live in a very small bar in the town i went to college in which is DeKalb, illinois okay. uh-huh. and they there's this bar there uh called moe's and um did you drink that's duff? the name of it oh no. Uh, no is it called moe's now i can't remember i want to say it was moe's or ozzy's or something like that somebody help me out if you've ever been to DeKalb and you know the name of the bar that brings in all these big name acts but th- this bar it's, it's quite small it maybe holds like i don't know 500 to a thousand people that's maybe, small most it's a well, pretty big bar it's a pretty yeah, big that's, bar that's yeah i mean pretty big but but to, but they would bring like snoop dog and like <laughs> and and um, not no joke like it's just a small little tiny bar, but like Marilyn Manson played there and cool. you know, they, they might be giants and you know, so, and, and you could literally just walk up and buy a ticket and walk in. Awesome. I mean, of course this is like in 98, 99, mm-hmm. you know, when these guys weren't as big, but, right. um, you know, the guitarist for, um, they might be giants handed me a guitar pick and I strummed the guitar while they were playing on stage. Nice. You know, that's how close you could get to these guys. You know, it's really that's, cool. So. That's pretty kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, you know, then like the next show they're playing is like Alpine Valley, which right. is like, you know, 20,000 people show up there. So. Yeah. I was just about to say they, the artists probably enjoyed doing that. The, yeah, they did. Low key you place, and they can go in and do their thing without so much pressure. It's probably awesome. What do they call them. that? A cozy and, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they would just step off the stage and go to the bar and have a drink, right. and like everybody would hang out. It was, it felt really cool. It was like a really cool place to hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time and money in that bar, and it was, it was a great place. <laughs> I loved it. Snoop Dogg and they might be giants. That's a pretty eclectic mix of yeah, performers. They, well, because it's a college town, the college had, I don't know, like 100,000 some odd people go to that school, or I think it's about around there now. And so there's no shortage of, of audience. I mean, you know, the college towns are just great for that. But this town, DeKalb, it's like out in the middle of the cornfield, but it's just outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you're, you're in this great little town and it's a college town, there's lots to do and everything. But then in 20, 30 minutes, you're in downtown Chicago. Right. You know, so... Yeah, it was a cool place. But listen, guys, we're at hour 33. I think I'm going to end that right here. If you've enjoyed this show, 
please go ahead and hit that follow button on whatever platform you're listening to us on spotify on uh, apple itunes on google on stitcher we are found everywhere we are ranking pretty high i i i'm watching the um i now get the uh the, i have back end access to the api so i can see how many people are listening and it's uh, pretty astounding you know um we're, we're hitting the charts pretty well and i i think it's like unreal that people listen to us jib jab about nothing but um thank you so much for listening todd it was awesome having you on the show today thanks for having me it was awesome uh being on the show so i appreciate you having me thank you yeah of course and trent it was great as always to have your input on our show and it's just uh i just uh want you to know every time i get on there and i purpose i don't know if you notice this but i purposely don't talk to you much because i want to do it here (laughs) i just thought it was because you were tired of my crap it's not no, what you I told like, me. Uh, well, you know, it's between me and you, but uh, you know, hey, it's. It, I I, th- I would call you more, but I feel like we talk about all the good stuff here on the podcast, so it's always fun. Fair enough. I appreciate being able to participate and that you tolerate me. So, uh, it's, it's more than tolerance, my friend. More than tolerance. It's a genuine respect, and uh, I appreciate you very well, much. Well, you have introduced me to a wide cast of characters so far and i have a feeling it's going to start accelerating so far my favorite show other than this one is when we had renoa on we have to bring her back yeah, she's an interesting person oh my gosh just fascinating yes. so fascinating person all right well listen i'm going to wrap it up right there thank you so much for listening this has been episode number five of work for it the housework podcast make sure you check me out on youtube on instagram at house underscore underscore work uh and uh also if you would like to support what i do and create content you can go to my website housemade.us you can buy a sticker pack you can buy a grinder if you want and imagine that stickers and grinders you can buy either one so i truly appreciate you guys thank you so much for listening my name is brian and this has been Work For It. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.